Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome in to Outkick 360. Paul Kuharski here. We got a split crew today because so much is going on. Hutton and Withrow will be with us in just a second from one of the worst cities in America, but hosting the biggest game in America tomorrow. They're at the SEC Championship game. Fantastic for them. Outkick the tailgate tomorrow, obviously coming up. We're at 6th and Peabody, home of Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Two products you should be drinking with regularity. Lots ahead of us on this Friday. Too much almost to tell you about. We're going to hit Antonio Brown's suspension, Brian Kelly's new accent, the opening at UVA, all the big games coming up this weekend, uh, tomorrow, championship weekend in college football, SEC championship, the biggest of those, but lots of games with lots of implications on what might happen in the college football playoff upcoming I've got some props for you on the NFL weekend. Hutton's going to have some underdog picks for you. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about college and pro jobs and the finances behind both in, in football. We've got 46 games that could break the right way for the Lions to still get into the playoffs. Uh, we've got the Grizz winning by 78. We've got new jerseys unveiled. Not New Jersey, my state, but new sweaters unveiled by Nashville's hockey teams that might make you want to throw up. Welcome. Hopefully that will keep you uh, informed and entertained over the next three hours. Welcome in. We have the fellas. Boys, how we doing? Polly, what's up, man? Looking good. You guys have made those hotel rooms look uh, stellar. Paul, you, you you really hit the nail on the head with Atlanta also. I love the energy that you brought starting the show with that hatred of a city that you hate, of I the Preds' new sweaters. This has really fueled your inner desire to just be unhappy, which I think is typically good for the show. So I love that energy you brought. I hate Atlanta. I, I resist ranking Atlanta, Detroit, and um, Memphis, but they are the three worst cities in America from my experience. It's nothing about the... The people, anything. I've been to all three. I, I find them all absolutely miserable. Paul, I was driving in, um, and, and shout out Music City Autoplex for the the Chevy Suburban. I tweeted out a photo of this, musiccityautoplex.com, to check it out. Um, Chad it was in the passenger seat. He's telling me to go south. True story. Uh, the, Chad can vouch for this. The exit went left and right. Both signs said South. <laughs> That's perfect. Now, I, it's, he is not exaggerating either. We, we came to a split in the road, and the only other option <laughs> is to go headfirst into a median, and it said South or South on either side. And we veered right, and it worked out for us. Paul, the amount of construction going on north of Atlanta as we came in, they have those big spaghetti exits 
when you get into the city where you know five different high, highways are meeting at once, we ran into one that was almost a shell city of another spaghetti intersection coming that's being uh, that's under construction that was it was maddening uh, the drive in well, so every bad feeling you have about the, the place and the traffic uh, was confirmed on the drive well one of the things i make fun of atlanta for is it's poor it's poor planning and the traffic the problem is that we're 15 years away from nashville being atlanta being less well planned because uh, we've seen pictures of one highway here beside the river that looks exactly the same as it did in 1978 in terms of lane width and the like. So, um, you know, I'm fully aware that we're headed that direction and we've done a very poor job in Nashville planning uh, to be ready for our growth, which is out of, out of control. And our, our two-lane highways are going to be backed up as compared to Atlanta's eight-lane highways. So at least they had the foresight to get those highways eight lanes. Paul, I, w- I won't give the specifics on exactly where we're staying, but we're staying yeah, extremely close to where we stayed for the Super Bowl All right. uh, whenever we were here in Atlanta. And um, uh, Chad, I don't know if you agree, there is a big game feel and a buzz just walking around briefly as, as we arrived here today after uh, being in Chattanooga last night. It, Bama and Georgia fans are everywhere. And, uh, of course, the game tomorrow, Outkick the Tailgate, starts at 1 o'clock Eastern, noon Central special start time to get you ready for the game. Uh, looking forward to that and looking forward to uh, some some more events tonight. But I'm excited just by walking around the city and seeing the SEC fans in town. And it's a very small sample size because we spent most of the time that we've been here in Atlanta coming from Chattanooga where we had the game last night. Congrats to McCauley, by the way, beating NBA in that game. But I've seen a lot more Georgia red and black then I have uh, Alabama crimson and white just in the hotel yeah. here at, at, or the elevator at our hotel walking around uh, this area. I've seen a lot more Georgia so far. I've been greeted uh, by go dogs more than I have roll tide. Um, but, you know, they've all been in a Southern accent, very similar to Brian Kelly's yeah. newfound Southern accent. Now, it, it all sounds the same. I, I wanted to ask you guys, I've often done, you know, there's a murder in Savannah and the marmalade toast and my, uh, my Savannah lawyer. And I have to be honest, when I first heard this, I didn't think it's that bad. But then every single sports writer in America retweeted it with comment. And I thought, well, I must not have heard it. And then somebody took him saying family two days ago at Notre Dame and compared it to him saying family uh, <laughs> yesterday uh, at uh, the basketball game at LSU. And it's pretty distinctly different. Are we listening to some of this here, David? This is Brian Kelly last night at LSU pretending to be Southern. It's a great night to be a Tiger. I'm here with my family and we are so excited to be in the great state of Louisiana, but more importantly, to be with you great fans. And we will begin, starting right this minute, to put together the next national championship football team at Louisiana State University. That's the standard, that's the expectation. We knew that coming in. We don't apologize for it. We know it's hard work. We know there's great teams in the SEC. We respect them, but this is LSU. Go Tigers!
This is going to surprise you guys. Wait for it. He's a fraud. I'm out. <laughs> That's all it took for Paul to be out. I, I, I don't blame you. Uh, it's ridiculous. And I, don't, I didn't hear that. The, the audio that Jeff Darlington put out had the comparison where he says family, just perfectly normal Midwestern accent. And then the fam down here with my family. And Paul, I heard family. And all I could think was you say, there's a murder <laughs> in Savannah. The entire it sounded time like Foghorn Leghorn. Hutton, you had a great, uh, we, we heard this together on the drive down. You had a great comparison to what family and his new accent sounds like with a character that we've watched a lot on Netflix. Guy, Paul, oh, doesn't, yeah. doesn't he sound like Frank Underwood from House of Cards? Kevin Spacey. That's pretty good. I hadn't thought of it. And as soon as you said Netflix, I knew where you were going. Yeah, he sounds exactly like Kevin Spacey playing Frank Underwood in House of Cards. All I when I hear from, him, he's 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 mocking Kevin Spacey in a way. Just be authentic. I mean, we they know he's not Louisiana. They know he's not a Cajun guy. Ed Orgeron was, but you're trying to go there to be yourself. And what you are is the coach from Notre Dame for the last twelve years, who's of of the Midwest. They hired a Midwesterner, so go there and be yourself. In, in, yeah, what was he, that? How long was that clip? Thirty seconds. In thirty seconds, he was a big phony. He he seems like maybe one of the few sixty-year-olds that's having an identity crisis right now. Uh, with the jump from Notre Dame to LSU, with this newfound accent, uh, you know, he was calling Baton Rouge and talking about Garth Brooks. <laughs> also, during his introductory press conference, it's all just very odd. And you you couple that with the fact that none of his assistants followed him. Right. Yeah. They all stayed with Marcus Freeman. They said, boy, this it's almost like it's a relief. You know, I don't know that they hate Brian Kelly. They signed up to work for him. They've been there with him for years. A number of them have. But maybe they just tolerated Brian Kelly and working for him at Notre Dame. And now that, the, you know, the, the, the main teacher is gone and the substitute is in, they're all very excited and, and they're staying at Notre Dame. You don't often see that where you don't bring any assistance with you. To the new job and that when Marcus, you leave for a job. That Marcus Freeman introduction, I don't know who was doing the talking uh, to, the, to the team, but then introduced Marcus Freeman, here's your new coach, and he came in and they went crazy for him, the team, hugging him and encircling him. I mean, to see that and compare it to this fake accent thing at the basketball game, I know who I prefer to root for as somebody with no stake in either team. So do we think he... I mean, he didn't interview that they sought him. Do you think he spoke to the the the, the big boosters at LSU in that same accent? God, I hope not. <laughs> but I mean, they they apparently don't care, right? right. I mean, what what yeah, else was he doing? Uh, with these looky here, boosters? son. It sounds well, like Fargo and Leghorn. Uh, Cajun accents, or is he? Are they force feeding him crawfish uh, <laughs> as he's in in the interview process? I mean, what what is going on? With Brian Kelly, another funny tweet I saw, and I don't have it in front of me who sent it out, but they said after Brian Kelly's performance with a, a fake Cajun accent, they wanted to see Marcus Freeman do the entire introductory press conference sounding like an extra from The Departed for the for the Irish Catholics yeah, out there, make up uh, which would have been amazing to hear. Uh, it's The whole thing is just ridiculous. And uh, look, I think Brian Kelly has is a really good football coach, and he's had a very good career, and he did good things at Notre Dame. I'm not completely out on him. I don't know what he's going to do at LSU, but I've lost a lot of my enthusiasm 
for Brian Kelly in, in the last week. I'd so say the one move, thing you want uh, with none of the coaches going with him with all of this. I'd yeah. say the one thing you want, right, is a smooth entry. And so I don't know, you know, if he did it subconsciously or whatever. You just want you don't want today's story to be being made fun of all day on every show like this around the country and on every Twitter account around the country. And that's the story today for LSU is that Brian Kelly put on a fake accent yesterday. So the the athletic department at LSU put out an entire Brian Kelly's first day in Baton Rouge, and they clipped the worst parts of that at the basketball them? game out. They cut them <laughs> out of that. But there's an entire five minutes before that where he's talking to boosters and and – shaking hands and kissing babies and all this stuff. And he doesn't sound anything like that, but he does sound like the worst used car salesman ever. Yeah. So we all have a mutual friend. I don't think he'll mind Chad, but I'll just refer to him as uh, our lawyer. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He sends it. He's actually in new Orleans right now. And uh, he sent uh, Chad and I and clay a text this morning that said, what it is, and I know because I'm actually down here this week and I hear it every single moment of every single day, is he's trying to pick up pieces of the New Orleans accent, which sounds Southern in some respects in Northern and in Northern and others, but it's certainly unique. I think he's been hearing it all week and then he started picking it up. And when the family thing came up, he was dying. I, the, the, the guy who sent this said, I was dying because literally four people at my table say it the same way that he's trying to do it. So it's, he's clearly trying to mimic the accent <laughs> and he's trying to do it after hearing it for about a week. Dude, if he but, wants to do it, he needs to get the coach that has all these Australian, uh, Australian and English actors doing perfect English, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. Speaking like Americans in movies. Well, the the description also of to some it sounds almost northern the Cajun accent, to others it sounds very southern. North North then, Louisiana, but but what we heard from family was just this over exaggerated version of it. Hutton, we watched the the guy who does the Nick Saban impression talk about it. Barstool, yeah, it's and, hilarious. And it, he 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 went back and forth. It was Nick Saban um, calling. Brian Kelly congratulating him and welcoming him to the SEC, and they went back and forth in character. It was yeah, hilarious. It he was, was using all these Southern expressions that yes. <laughs> that that yes. Saban was saying. That's not even a, a thing we say. Well, the, <laughs> unlike the you, I got to get out. I got to I got to go. I got to get ready for a big game this weekend. The best was he he referred to Saban as oh, if it's not the old Alabama slammer on the phone himself. <laughs> So it good. was pretty good, but it wasn't that good. When we come back, we're going to talk about all not the big games in college football coming up. And uh, we really got to get to Antonio Brown's weak suspension um, for his violation. One of three bucks that got himself in big trouble, but maybe not big enough. This is Outkick 360 on the Outkick Network. Welcome back. Outkick 360 Friday edition. Happy you're with us. Jonathan and Chad in Atlanta. I'm Manning Homefort. Here in Nashville, Tennessee, at Sixth and Peabody, Yeehaw, and Old Smoky, the beverages of choice here. Who knows? I might be imbibing before the show is over. Christmas lights are finished at the house. As of this morning, if you were privy to our conversation yesterday about this subject, the subject of the day right now in the NFL, Antonio Brown suspended a measly three games for faking his vaccination card 
he settled for this three-game suspension, and the league apparently, guys, um, didn't give him more because he wasn't going to appeal it. He agreed not to appeal it. And so they settled. Seems to me like it's still not big enough. This is a felony in some states, a felony. Two other guys did it. They went to the, they got cards from the same county in Florida, about, I think, an hour and a half maybe away from Tampa Bay. Your thoughts on this kind of uh, going around, they're not going around the rules, completely breaking the rules. Well, he's, he's an idiot. I think he's proven that time and time again uh, throughout his career and, and, and for, throughout his life, quite frankly. Uh, he, he continues to prove that. Um, as far as the, the three-game suspension, I do think it's a little light, but so much of the COVID-19 stuff, the protocols around it this year and in year two of this, and even the punishments around the other side of it, to me, and, and tell me if you guys agree or not, it's, it's based around fear. The league is so afraid to not show everyone that they're doing everything possible to stay safe and adhere to any possible COVID-19 protocol that they're afraid of the public reprimand if they don't do that. And it's not necessarily science at times that dictates it. It's fear of looking like you're not adhering to science that goes with it. But on the flip side, they seem afraid to really call out people that would fake having a vaccination card on it or that won't go get the, the, the vaccine. It, it, there's fear on both sides of this. They're not really laying down the law or the hammer on people who don't get vaccinated or would fake a vaccination card. And on the other side, they're afraid of not showing every sign that they're very serious about all of this. So much of it is just dictated by fear from the league. Paul, the other part of this that I find interesting is what was he was and I can't remember, was Antonio Brown suspended for the the sexual misconduct or whatever that, you know, Tampa, Tampa vetted him and said they were completely fine with the, you know, him coming in. I think like, I, I think he was suspended kind of like while he was out of the loop between Oakland, New England, and then he was gone for a while before he resurfaced to Tampa Bay, and I think he might have been suspended for for time that he was out of the league anyway, or would have might have been out of the league anyway. I'm not positive though. Yeah, but I mean, to me, it's it, it it's tough if, if he wasn't, and I can't remember. Um, I, I'm seeing columns where they're saying like Tampa needs to release him, and I'm thinking, well, they signed him after all of these allegations were out there about. Uh, the the domestic violence and you know no one's clamoring now for him to be released for that so i i'm i mean i, I don't know what the punishment should be i mean he he lied about it is i mean w with all this the the buccaneers clearly didn't uh, thought he was vaccinated um same goes for his teammates which makes that different from aaron Rodgers, where it's to me it's pretty obvious that his teammates uh knew he was not vaccinated vaccinated and the Packers probably did as well. Um, so in that case, it's not similar. I'm seeing comparisons made to that too on what Aaron Rodgers received versus Antonio Brown. But nonetheless, I mean, I, I think this just shows you this is in one case where the players union and the players actually get the benefit of having the union, because if this is anybody else in the league, they don't have a job right now. Well, and Antonio think, Brown does. And I, it's because it's because they average two yards more per play when he's on the field versus when he's not available. That's why Tampa Bay has him on their roster. And, and I think, Hutton, to jump in there, the reason people are saying that he may get uh, cut for this 
is because they're going by Bruce Arians' words. When he right. signed, he, said, he told Peter King, if he screws up one time, he's gone. And went on to tell uh, Sirius XM NFL Radio, he's been a model citizen. If and when he's not, we will move on. He also right. said this he knows didn't that. happen. Our team knows that. I don't really think we're going to have any problems. We haven't had any so far, and I really would not anticipate any. I think that you could easily say a three-game suspension would be not being a model citizen and would be grounds to cut him. Arians also said three weeks ago when, when this report first came to light that this did not happen. So Arians looks like a fool and, and a liar. Well, they, they, they said that he had provided everything necessary to show he was vaccinated. And it, so the background on the story is he has like a private chef right. who outed him, right? Yes. The guy who kind of set it up, it sounded like. It was a lawsuit. Or heard a story of it being set up. Right, right. And so, and then he he came back and said, no, it's not true. And the Bucks took his word for it. And now because he's not, he, he, so, so the, Why would the you take his word is he it? hasn't admitted guilt, but he hasn't, he, he's pled no, he's, he's, he's pleading no contest. No contest. He, that's not my problem. Or, that's my problem. Right. And that's where Chad talking about fear. That's the fear that I have. They take the three game suspension and they say, okay, we'll take that because you're not going to appeal it. Well, what right. the hell do you care if he appeals it? He's clearly guilty. You've caught him, right? They if just I, want it to I'll, go away. I'll go to an extreme. If I, if I go shoot somebody out on the street and you've got me, what the hell do you care what I do? You've got me. Punish me according to my crime. And, and who gives a damn what I do as a counter? So why are they so concerned with what Antonio Brown, a multiple offender of multiple rules, who should be getting a suspension, not just for this severe violation in this severe instance, but a cumulative penalty like you're talking about, Hutton. This should be mm -hmm. getting exponentially worse each time he does something in a different basket. Okay, he's, uh, he's done well, conduct detrimental. He's done sexual harassment or, or potentially domestic violence. He's been charged with it. Now he's faking a, a, a committing what's a fel felony in some states. This should be amping up, and they're saying, oh, he's not going to appeal? Okay, we'll give him three games. But with with in Pittsburgh he was a malcontent, and in Vegas we we know exactly how that saga played out with the foot and everything else. In Tampa, it's actually been different because he's producing, he's very productive. Yep. And I, I'll let, when he's playing this year, they average seven point one yards per play. When he doesn't, they average five point six, and that that's the difference in what Tampa is asking of him and what he's been doing elsewhere where they didn't want him around. Tampa actually wants him back. So this is an intriguing scenario where uh, Arians is saying he's done everything right. And now here's this one thing, instead of this cumulative aspect that I'm bringing up, I don't think Tampa looks at it that way because they've already signed off on his past by signing him to begin with. And, it, and it's so much guys path of least resistance. You know, Bruce Arians has those strong words to Peter King about mm -hmm. what he's going to do the moment he steps out of line and he's got no margin for error. And then when he does step out of line, after he backed him and he gets suspended for three games, it's so easy for the coach or anyone in that position to say, well, you guys got the daily press briefing and understand that two of our players are suspended for three games. Uh, we're not going to talk about those players. They're suspended. They're not here. We'll talk about them in three weeks and talk about their status in three weeks. So you kick the can down the road – and then hope that it goes away, which we know with the news cycle, it will go away in three weeks. Then they'll come back, and then you can address it at that point. And then once they come back, you can just say, okay, here's what we're doing. They served their time, and they're back on the team. 
No more questions about it. Right, We're done talking about it. The suspension is over, and it's it keeps on going this way, and no one really wants to address anything, and they're not made to really address anything because they can very easily just tell everyone what they want and say, well, they're not on the team. I'm not talking about them, and that's it. It just pisses me off from a league perspective. They set up this framework of rules. Not everybody loved the framework of rules. Most of the league went along with the framework of rules, with the understanding that this is what I need to do in order to be out here, in order to get along with with the brotherhood of this locker room, and in order to make things work. And then they watch a guy who brazenly fakes it, and he gets off with a with a relatively lame suspension and they're going to watch him in the playoffs do, do his thing. And I think all of them have cause for resent on that. And I stand with all of that. I I don't get it. Chad, I know you guys have an event tonight in advance of uh, sec championship game tomorrow. Tell the people what they need to know. Yeah. Tonight we're doing an event with, uh, with Buffalo trace bourbon and uh, it's going to be cool. I don't know that it's open to the public, but uh, I can tell you what we're doing. Uh, it's going to be Clay with A.J. McCarron tonight in a conversation uh, with Buffalo Trace Bourbon. So we're excited about that. And our hub for the weekend is going to be at Stats Brew Pub, uh, which is downtown Atlanta. We're doing our show there tomorrow, 1 to 3 p.m. So we are uh, excited about that, getting everyone ready for the uh, SEC championship between Alabama and Georgia. So it's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of Alabama, a lot of Georgia fans will be there. So if you're in Atlanta, come say hi. Join us at Stats Brew Pub. If not, you can watch on the OutKick Twitter feed. You can watch on the OutKick YouTube page. We will go live at 1 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, and we're we're going to have some great giveaways too, Paul. We've got a, a Saban uh, autographed Alabama helmet that we're giving away. Um, uh, Herschel Walker helmet for the University of Georgia as well. And, and, and tons of outkick swag tomorrow at Stats. And the two-hour show will include some special guests uh, at Stats. That's going to be a lot of fun. Clay will join us in the second hour of the show, and we're going to talk all things Bama and Georgia. There are plenty of uh, championship games on tap for tomorrow, some that will be underway that we'll continue to recap and, and react to in real time. But myself, Chad, Jill Savage, and and Clay are, are ready to go. It's going to be a blast. And, uh, and then we're going to the game where – Ticket prices, Chad, are skyrocket prices right now to get in the door. There were club level seats going for like three grand just to get in the gate tomorrow. Yeah, two to three grand for premium seats, club level seats. And it's around a buddy of mine just texted me and said, Are you actually going to the game? And I said, Yes. And he said, How? Because the cheapest ticket he can find, and we're talking the nosebleed of nosebleed section. Uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium is currently $600. Yeah. It was the cheapest he could find just to get in the building. Um, so we are lucky to have uh, great partners on our Outkick the Tailgate show, and that is why we will be going to the game tomorrow. So looking forward to it. And this is, uh, this is a big event. When you get around Atlanta for an SEC championship game, for anyone who's ever been, regardless of who's playing in the game and, and what they're ranked, it's an enormous event, a big weekend. And shout out to Farmfolio for making it happen. Um, they they are huge SEC supporters, so we're we're pumped to uh, to check out the game with them tomorrow. And then Outkick the tailgate one o'clock Eastern noon Central. Uh, follow us here on Outkick three hundred and sixty out, at Outkick three hundred and sixty on Twitter is where you can find the link uh, for tomorrow's show. Looking forward to it, Paul.
A lot of mystery uh, in terms of what Chad's going to have at the top of his list here. A lot of mystery. It's one of the great unsolved mysteries of our time. <laughs> of the championship game weekend, which Wait, one is ranked uh, number uh, one? Uh, oh, I got it. It's number one versus number three what? in Atlanta, and we just so happen to be in Atlanta. Georgia-Alabama uh, is the game of the week. I came into this thinking, hey, we're not going to have a top 10 this week because it won't be 10. it's championship week and there's not enough games. And then I saw, oh, look, there's 10 championship games exactly. This is perfect. We can rank the conference championship games one through 10 in the FBS. Georgia-Alabama, number one, because it's number one versus number three, because it's Georgia and Kirby Smart trying to get that Nick saban size monkey off their back, and because it's Alabama playing for their playoff life right now. It's Alabama. This is a play-in game for Alabama. Georgia loses. They're still going to have a chance to compete for a national title. Not so for Alabama. And Hutton, I think a big question in this game is, can Alabama give Bryce Young enough time against that defensive front of Georgia to where he can go to work on the secondary yeah. of Georgia, which is very good. But if you're looking for a weakness with Georgia, maybe you can get some things over the top. Well, Tennessee went after Georgia's secondary, Chad, and quickly they took out one of their starting safeties when Heupel was scheming up to target one specific player. They put in, I believe, a, one of the walk-ons that had performed well and has been playing well. And Georgia's defense is elite. And even the players you want to try to attack are really, really good. Um, they, they have a couple of guys on the on the perimeter that would fit that description. But the secondary is where you have to feel Georgia is vulnerable if you're going to have a chance in this game because you're not going to run the football on them. And, and this is not the year for Bama to actually establish the ground and pound, right? We haven't seen much from Robinson. We've seen some. We've seen some flashes, but nothing consistent because they, Bill O'Brien, for whatever reason, doesn't treat the run game in that same way. They don't stick with it um, like other Bama backs have done in years past. They, you, know, you don't have that Najee Harris type guy, the the dual threat. You don't have Derrick Henry there by any means. It's a, it's a different feel offensively, and it's based on Bryce Young now. And they've got to give him time to set and move around um, you know, horizontally in that pocket to make some make some plays down the field because the the, the receivers are capable, Chad. They've got to have time to set up some of these big plays against Georgia and strike early. Yeah, for sure. Game number two, another elite defense, just like Georgia. Oklahoma State has got one of the best defenses in the country. They play Baylor. Uh, that is in Jerry's world for the Big 12 championship. That game is at noon Eastern on ABC. Oklahoma State trying to make their case to be a college football playoff team. Uh, that is my number two game of the week. Michigan-Iowa, Big Ten championship in Indianapolis. That game at 8 p.m. Eastern on Fox on Saturday night. Um, it, I don't love this matchup. I, I know it's a double digit. I think it's 11 now, right now, for Michigan favored over Iowa. Um, I had 10 I, just, and a half. I am not an Iowa believer. Their offense is in the 100s but, nationally. I, I think Michigan takes it to them. Yeah, but but here's here's the caveat to this game. Michigan ranks eighth defensively. They only allow 17.2 yards per or points per game. Excuse me, 17 points per game. The Hawkeyes are one spot behind Michigan nationally at 17.3 points per game allowed. So that's Iowa's chance here. They have they have won the games, and they were unbeaten for a while because they forced, created, 
and took advantage of those 50-50 balls and made some turnovers happen in their favor and set up short fields. That's how they can beat Michigan tomorrow. It, otherwise, I'm with you. Michigan covers easily if Iowa can't turn the ball over. Similar teams. Just, it just seems like Michigan is a, a, a better yeah. version. You are a thousand percent correct, Paul, because they're a different version. You know why? Because they have talented offensive players, yeah. uh, which Iowa does not have as talented offensive players. And McNamara is, and capable. that's a big difference, right? Yes, and you're right, and and they they've got better quarterback play also. Michigan, I think they handle Iowa, and they're going to be in the college football playoff. A team that ruined the Pac-12's chances at a college football playoff was Utah, when Oregon went to Salt Lake City and Utah beat them, effectively ending any chance for a Pac-12 team to be a part of the college football playoff. This is a payback game to me. I think Oregon, even though Utah's favored in this game and looked bad against them the first time, I think Oregon wins outright in this game and they win the Pac-12. Not going to matter for playoffs. Neither one of these teams are going to get in. But I think Oregon wrecks Utah's chances of a Pac-12 title, much like Utah wrecked Oregon and the Pac-12's chances of a college football playoff berth. That is game number four for me. Game number five, I think this is going to be a very, very fun football game. If you like points, if you like not a lot of defense being played, but quarterbacks who can make it happen, Hartman versus Pickett and Wake Forest versus Pitt, in the most unlikely Power 5 championship game matchup, Pitt versus Wake Forest to decide the ACC, I don't think anyone had those two in the preseason predictions. Love this matchup offensively. It's game number five for me because it doesn't have the pizzazz of those other four championships, but it's going to have a lot of offense, and it's going to be fun to watch at 8 p.m. Eastern on ABC. Well, future pros at quarterback, and if, you, if you're if you a fan of the new blood, if you're a part of that fraternity of fans that want to see new blood at the top of these conferences, no Clemson in this game. So there's another reason to watch this matchup because Pitt and Wake Forest have have maneuvered their way to the top of the conference. Let's go to the non-Power 5 uh, version of this, and I'll, I'll go a little quicker through these. Those, my top five, that's my ranking of the Power 5 championship games. And it's that's in line with the ranking for the entire week. Uh, number six, American Athletic Conference Championship, Houston, Cincinnati. Houston quietly has one loss on the year. I think that would surprise people to see Houston at 11-1. and one. They're ranked 21st. This is Cincinnati's chance. I think if they win the way they should in this game, there's not going to be any question. I think they're going to get in the college football playoff. If they stumble, obviously that opens the door for, let's say, an Oklahoma State. If they're able to win the, the, the uh, Big 12 championship, big game there. Should be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, two good offenses in that game also. Number seven, Utah State, San Diego State. Another game featuring two teams that have done very well this year. I think San Diego State's 11-1. and one. Um, So that's a, a West Coast game that should be fun to watch. Appalachian State and Louisiana. Um, is Billy Napier coaching in this game? Yes. Yes, okay, he is. So he is sticking around to coach. All right, good. So Billy Napier in his swan song as the Ragin' Cajuns coach before he goes to Florida, taking on App State. App State, even though Louisiana is the ranked team in this equation, they're a slight favorite in this game. Uh, good football team, obviously a good program uh, who's uh, been, been good for a while. So that's going to be a good one to watch. Western Kentucky and Bailey Zapp, one of the best quarterbacks in America, taking on Texas San Antonio, who's been a surprise story this year also, game number nine. And I'm sorry to the Mac and all the fans of Mac. They deserve out there. it. Kent State and Northern <laughs> Illinois 
at noon Eastern on ESPN, Paul. Uh, this is not a Wednesday night or Tuesday night action game. This is a, the rare Saturday game for the Mac, and I'm not all that interested uh, in this game. By the way, two games tonight also. I, I should repeat that. Western Kentucky and Texas San Antonio tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sports Network, and the Pac-12 Championship tonight on ABC at 8 p.m. Eastern. So usually it's a Saturday top 10, but this week I, I included everything with a couple of games on Friday night for the championships. Those are my top 10 for championship weekend. Good stuff. I think stuff. that's a championship quality list. Good stuff, Chadillac. I like it with Thanks. the music in the background. I think it's really been enhanced by that. And I'd like to commend whoever uh, is playing that little ditty. Next the up, the chairman. He actually drummed that out. I, I mean, did. I know he's playing it. I'm talking about the guy that's banging on the, on the it's, it's whatever he's banging on. It's, it's, it's actually those, yeah. also. There were those guys downtown in Nashville that bang on the uh, five gallon drums, yeah. five gallon buckets, empty. You five, went and recorded yeah. that. I did. I thought you'd maybe do some recorder music. David is a re- <laughs> recorder player. Many of you don't know. Coming up next, we're going to make you some money. Hutton's got NFL underdogs. I've got props that I spent a lot of time on last night. This is Outkick 360 on the Outkick Network. This is Outkick 360 live from 6th and Peabody, home of Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Delicious stuff. We're about to try to make you some money. Hutton, I think I'm probably going to have to, uh, you're going to have to twist my arm to get me to go with what I think you're about to go with based on what you were talking about earlier in the week. Let's, Let's hear these upset picks. It's time to make some money. FanDuel.com slash OK360. These are money line bets on the underdog this week, week 13 across the National Football League. I'm going with two games, two games I like. Washington over Las Vegas. I'm riding the hot hand here uh, with the Washington football team, and I I think for for good reason. They, They are playing close football games. There's something scrappy, Paul, that I like about Washington. There's not much to brag about. And when you admit to watching Washington play, but they're going to play you close. And Vegas never makes anything look easy, even when they win. Uh, Washington has won three straight games this season. They're now in the seventh seed. I know they're on a short week, and Vegas is on a long rest after playing on Thanksgiving. But uh, again, I'm taking Washington because I, I think I'm just riding the hot hand here. And no one's expecting them to win outright. And then the second game, Steelers over the Ravens. I know I said that the Steelers are done, and they are. But it is hard for me to see how Mike Tomlin does not have his team ready to play against their division rival in a week where everyone like me is saying on radio shows across the country that the Steelers are done and dead in the water. I do not like to pick against desperate teams, and that's exactly what Pittsburgh is, because if they lose this, they, they're they done in the division and the in the wild card race here. Najee Harris leads the way in this game. Big Ben doesn't need to turn it over. If he can do that, I think the Steelers can win. And I mentioned yesterday, Paul, they play a lot of close games, speaking of the Ravens. They win close games, but – Five games have been decided in the final two minutes or in overtime by Baltimore. That leads me to believe this is coming down to the wire as well. Do you ever have a team that you just can't pick and you can't bet on at any point for whatever reason? Washington is that team for me. 
If I was betting on Washington, I would have taken the other team they played on the money line every time, and they'd be winless like the Detroit Lions this year. I can't wrap my head around picking them to do anything. And I don't know what it is about the team. I just can't do it, Paul. Yeah, I don't think either of these are terrible, Hut. Um, mostly because of the lack of faith in Las Vegas in that one and and what you're saying about the Steelers not going down without a fight. Um, that result would be fantastic for the rest of the AFC if the Ravens lost that yes. game. Uh, Absolutely. And it would con- continue this turmoil um, in the That's AFC, the theme of which the I'm enjoying. Which yeah. I'm enjoying. All right, here's what I've got. Uh, my my props, which I spent a great deal of time looking at last night. I've got two high two candidates for the high scoring game of the week. Uh, Chargers Bengals, and these are both, by the way, the uh, listed as as the favorites in this category. So I'm not going out on a limb here. Chargers Bengals like both the quarterbacks. Think Joe Mixon's going to run run for some yards here. I could just see a, a little bit of a shootout in this one, uh, plus five fifty bucks at Falcons. This would be about the Bucks putting up a big number. Tampa Bay's averaging thirty-two a game, um, and Atlanta is giving up twenty-seven a game. So you'd be counting on the Bucks to score a lot of points here, um, and the Falcons to give up a lot of points here, obviously, and then the Falcons to, to you know score ten, thirteen, whatever. Uh, to add that up. And then highest scoring team, Eagles, a really good buy here at plus 1,200. The Jets are 32nd in scoring defense. They're giving up 30.3 a game. I don't understand why the Eagles would be plus 1,200 here. And Indy is playing Houston. Indy already beat Houston 31-3 to in Indianapolis on October 17th. Uh, Indianapolis figures out the Carson Wentz slash Jonathan Taylor thing that we've been discussing a lot. I could see them putting up a big number in their plus 850. I really feel good about those two for highest, highest scoring teams of, of the week. What do you think? Boys? Uh, the only thing I can think of is the game. Um, and you may have mentioned this, Paul, I'm sorry. Is the game with Philly and the Jets, is that in East Rutherford, New Jersey? I am not positive. Okay, I'm, I'm just I'm presuming. curious on the weather. That, that to me, that's the only reason that would be plus thirteen hundred or whatever it is against the Jets. It's at the defense. Jets. Yeah, Paul. Okay. Paul, the only thing I'm curious about is the prop that you suggested yesterday for Thursday night football. Yeah, Taysom Hill. With Taysom it. Hill, did it did it work or not? Because I'm in Georgia and can't look at my app. It did not work. <laughs> so I don't know because I bet on it with you. Did, yeah. did we win? No. Hill threw for two two sixty four. Pollard right, guys, Pollard got off. it done. I don't, I'm taking no more advice from any of you. Bye. Pollard, I'm gonna go enjoy the enjoy the World Congress Center now. See ya. Pollard had a big long touchdown run uh, and and looked terrific on it. Where a guy took a terrible angle on him on the Saints. He was like, "I'm gonna catch him at the sideline and push him out of bounds." And all of a sudden, Pollard was way further down the sideline. Like the guy had no concept of Pollard's speed. Apparently, hadn't watched good film on Pollard. But Taysom Hill somehow found 264 yards. Still completely unimpressed with him. Good win for the Cowboys. He also found a few Cowboys defenders in that game uh, from what I was watching. One time, I'm looking up at a television, and I see him. It looks like he is staring right down and throws it right to a defensive lineman. That's what I was thinking. Like, he's not going to get many more yards because he's not going to have the ball very much more. So I was still holding out hope pretty late, but he did a little better in the yardage front than I Well, the pick six went against the bet. Because it got him a ball back quicker. We yeah. needed just more standard yeah. incompletions. Yes. And to keep the drive going because he got the ball back so quick after throwing a pick six 
and that hurt. I got to say, I've had a lot of trouble getting into a couple of these games lately, maybe because it's connected to, to Titans bye week time, and uh, I can take it down a notch for a little bit here. But uh, that one last night wasn't anything. New Orleans doesn't need to be on TV anymore. No. Taysom Hill's hurt, too. He's got his finger injury. It's similar to Russell Wilson's, but it's not it apparently going to try to play through it. Like. Yeah. Well, that'll be yeah. fun to watch. Let's not watch that. Let's put that on at noon on Sunday, and we don't need to see yep. any of that. All watch right. that documentary about Christmas lights that I recommended to you guys instead of that game. That's what you should be watching. Mine are done. I'm going to send you a picture tonight for the final review. We will be back. This is Outkick 360 on the Outkick Network.